0: He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless, you will quote me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah. And when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, except to a widow in Zechariah in Sidon, There were also many with skin disease in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. When he heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way.
1: I'd like to begin today's message with a quotation and maybe we can kind of look at some ways to unpack it in our own setting and how that might inform our lives as disciples of Christ. I want to make sure I'm on. Am I on here? Okay. Professor Randy Walker, in her book on the history of the United Church of Christ, writes that in the contemporary UCC, With our celebration of inclusivity and our lack of a test of faith, we will have to order our beloved community in such a way that the margins are continually drawn into the center. That is one way that covenant functions among us. After all, each week in our colonial church covenant, we affirm that with God's help, we'll walk together in Christian love. And in the UCC, historically, that has meant drawing our circles wide. How do you draw yours? Have you ever had anyone push back against you out there in the world when you were trying to widen the circle in some way? Here in today's passage, we have Jesus at basically the beginning of his public ministry. Uh, There are parallels to this story in the Gospels of Mark and Matthew, but they're a little different. The chapter that today's reading is taken from tells us that prior to the passage we had this morning, that Jesus had been teaching in the synagogues around Galilee and was praised by everyone. And then he comes to Nazareth, where he was raised. History seems to suggest that in a situation like this, there was something like a lectionary. There would be a couple of required readings on the synagogue on a certain day, and then the reader would have his choice of a reading from the book of one of the prophets, and then would sit down and expound upon that passage to the congregants. So Luke says Jesus was given a copy of the scroll of Isaiah, and he probably selected a passage he wanted to read uh, to the people, and at first he has what appears to be great news for the people. He reads from Isaiah and he quotes, the spirit of God is upon me, he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, recovery of the sight to the blind, and let the oppressed go free. Now that probably sounds pretty great to the people there, right? No issue there. To a people like them who had endured hundreds of years of oppression from different powers around the region, that probably seemed like an encouraging message, and why wouldn't it be? He even says to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. They seem to be okay with that too. Maybe they're reading that a different way than, than what Jesus intends. Luke says everybody was impressed with him and spoke well of him. And there's different ways to read the reaction of the people when they say, is this not Joseph's son? The optimist in me might be thinking that the people have in mind, who would have thought that one day the son of Joseph would become a prophet? Alas, that's probably not what they mean. They're probably thinking Jesus is making himself out to be something more than they believe he is because they're saying, this is Joseph's son. And then he makes what seems like a strange remark. He says, doubtless you'll say to me, doctor, cure yourself. Back then there was an old proverb that says, no physician performs cures on those who know him. I kind of read that as if to say, back then when science and medicine weren't really advanced, a person, a doctor, could sell you a cure for your condition. You pay the doctor now, he goes on his way, and he says, you'll feel better in three or four days, but you never see him again. But if he's trying to do this for the people who know him, he's going to be cautious about that because they can go right back to him and say, hey, this didn't work. But I think what Jesus is getting at is people's inability to see the holy within their midst. It's like they're saying, Jesus, if you're such a big deal, prove it to us now. People tell him the same thing on the cross. They say, if you are who you say you are, get yourself down now. And after that, he does something that really makes the people mad. Now, Originally, I, the title of this message was Would You Throw Jesus Off a Cliff? Which sounds absurd, <clears throat> but there are many teachings of Jesus, especially those when he's talking about patience, grace, forgiving your neighbor, relating with respect to those you disagree with. Are there any of those you find difficult to accept or even harder to practice? Probably sometimes all of us do. So the way he really gets on the people's bad side is he refers to stories in the Old Testament where God's saving and healing action was performed for people who were not Israelites. Now, you would have thought that the people in the synagogue had already heard that passage read. I mean, it was right there in their Bible. And to a people who tended to think they, were, they alone were God's chosen people, Jesus is kind of rubbing them the wrong way. He redefines here people, the people of God to include others outside their place and culture. And what happens? Some of the people are so angry that they kick him out of the synagogue and they want to throw him off a cliff. Now in all the Gospels, Jesus faces opposition. Mark and Matthew have slightly different versions of this story. Matthew says that Jesus didn't do many deeds of power there because of people's unbelief. Mark says that Jesus did no deeds of power in his hometown except for curing a few sick people. It seems like a deed of power to me, but okay, Mark, whatever works for you. Mark says that Jesus was amazed at the people's unbelief, but only Luke says they want to throw him off a cliff. Now, whether that's factually true or not is beside Luke's point. Metaphorically, it is. From a certain angle, that still happens today for some of the same reasons. Some people, <clears throat> metaphorically speaking, still want to throw Jesus off a cliff, the teachings that are at the core of the Christian message are the ones that some folks still have a hard time putting into practice. We saw how Jesus was expanding the people of God to include non Israelites. And that appears to be one of Le- Luke's chief concerns, is God's action for people that weren't in the in crowd. And elsewhere, he also defines, redefines community and family. Consider Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is told that his mother and brother and sisters are looking for him, and he stops and he says, wait a minute, who are my mother and my sisters and my brother? Those are the people who do God's will. And in a culture where keeping the family unit, the tribe together was extremely important, that was a radical teaching. And in today's UCC, we also believe that God's love is for everyone no matter who they are, and that the people of God includes everyone. Everyone. But there are others out there claiming the name Christian who aren't comfortable with that teaching, who want to place limits on God's love and make for themselves an exclusive club. And what about Matthew 22? Jesus says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And there, love doesn't refer to a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's more of a disposition. It means offering grace and mercy and forgiveness. And so many Have difficulty with that. Maybe we all do. We see so many who want to throw that teaching out the door or off a cliff, as it were. And the simplest one imaginable in Luke chapter 6 do unto others as you would have them do to you. So, how do you draw your circles? Years ago, somebody wrote that only when people give their imaginations and their wills in glad surrender to the service of God's kingdom will all the glorious possibilities within them be released. And to that I would add, when you tighten and narrow your circles, you lock up and negate your potential as a follower of Christ. We all have to watch out that we don't do it. Jesus doesn't force himself on us. We can choose whether we open ourselves to him or not. But he favors expansion and not contraction of those circles. And as we saw in today's scripture, some people had a problem with his message. Uh, A biblical scholar, I found something interesting all the way back in the 1950s, in reference to today's scripture reading, says that Jesus told the people that those who think they have a special claim on God's love might want to think again. Always, that person said, there is a tendency to resent that. A church wants to keep its religious privileges to itself. And there are many places where a message such as that which Jesus spoke in the synagogue would be as unwelcome as it was in Nazareth. Sometimes Jesus interprets his Bible in ways that people don't expect. And he was showing the congregation what somebody wrote centuries before he was even born, God's very self widening the circles of welcome and grace. So how do you draw your circles? Let's look at some possibilities from the outside in. There are a couple of ways to do that, and at the heart of it all is not only Jesus himself, but the values that we all can wrestle with sometimes. One of these hypothetical outcomes is certainly more to be desired than the other. Let's start with community. If we become more and more insular, more inclined to say who's out and who's in, more drawn into ourselves and our cliques and only speaking to those who are like us, either here or in the world outside, we draw that circle tighter and we diminish and even throw away those ethics and values that we claim to live by. And where's the room for faith? Then do we even have faith in the God who calls us to live by certain values As egos expand, faith shrinks. And if we keep on squeezing and narrowing and tightening those circles, then we eventually squeeze out Jesus himself because we just don't have room for him. And in a church, especially, that would be ironic. But maybe it happens in many, maybe most, maybe all congregations. Just due to a discomfort with keeping those circles wide, sometimes we end up throwing Jesus teachings out the door and he himself off a cliff, which is exactly what the congregation wanted to do in today's reading. So how do we draw our circles? We can all make that decision on a daily basis. But there's another way to look at those concentric circles from the outside in, and it's a practice that's really simple. Let's say for instance, quick example, somebody we have who's new visiting Colonial. Let's say that person either doesn't have a faith background at all, or Someone just wants a new church. If that person arrives and not only feels welcome himself or herself, but sees us all being welcoming towards each other, then they will see that this is a true community. Then they will notice the ethics and values that are a reflection of our faith, and that faith in a Christian community has Jesus at the center. So how do we draw our circles? Do we widen that welcome to each other and to people outside our doors? Or do we squeeze and tighten those circles so that ethics become a matter of adherence to a few rules that may even be outdated, that may not have living faith at their core? Are we willing to try new directions, new perspectives, new ministries? The last words of a congregation that won't be around in 15 years are usually, that's the way we've always done it. Jesus' practice of widening his welcome evoked hostility in some people, including some of those listeners today. And if you look at some people in the world, and we all know it, who call themselves Christians but have some very unwelcoming practices, a faith like ours still rubs some people the wrong way. But Jesus widened his circles and he makes a movement outward, making those circles bigger out of his hometown on the path of his ministry, and that path will eventually lead to Jerusalem and the crucifixion and then the resurrection that we'll celebrate here in two weeks. Jesus is rejected in his hometown. That's something to think about. We all have to make sure, every one of us, that we keep our eyes and ears and hearts open to recognize the holy within our midst, the presence of God and the image of God in each other and ourselves. If you speak that message to some people, they may wanna throw you off a cliff. Luckily, it's pretty pretty flat around colonial here, so it probably won't happen. But if you cling to those core teachings of Jesus Even when it's difficult, you'll be rewarded because the good news is we have a Savior who goes with us as we proclaim God's expansion of those circles and that message of renewed hope and renewed life. And when you keep Jesus at the core, you can draw those circles wide securely, knowing that there's room enough for everyone. Amen.